0: Hey, Scaremakers. Dano of the Dead here. You're listening to the Dano of the Dead podcast. And I am about to take you on a little journey that I like to call Dano Does Dragon Con. And yes, I, I realize that I have just put my own name into this three times in a row, almost without stopping. Height of creativity, I know. I, I promise you, the, the episodes that follow will not be quite as egotistical. I mean, yeah, there's still going to be a lot of me talking about me, but honestly, that's kind of what happens when you're monologuing the whole thing. I'll eventually have some guests. I'll eventually have something that doesn't involve just me yammering into the podcast. But for now, you get what you pay for. And uh, well, moving on. Dano does DragonCon. For those of you who've never been, never heard of it, never attended, DragonCon is one of the largest fandom conventions in the Southeast, one of the largest in the country, and is also one of the best conventions as far as cosplay. Uh, Bringing in about eighty to 100,000 people every year to Atlanta, Georgia, the event is... It's a multi-fandom com. Let me try this again. It is a multi-fandom convention. There we go. I can actually speak now. It's a multi-fandom convention, so you've got science fiction, you've got fantasy, you've got horror, anime, video games, literature, uh, everything... If, if your fandom is not represented at DragonCon, it doesn't exist. That's, that's just the best way I can describe it. Okay, I mean, literally as soon as you walk through the door, even before you get to the door, you see stormtroopers, you see Star Trek red shirts, you see zombies, you see weird... Yeah, I, I mean, I saw Decepticons and Gundam walking down the street uh, around Peachtree Center in Atlanta. I mean, you will find everything here. So some of the highlights of the convention, for me anyway, uh, they did a lot of Farscape talk because the uh, series, one of the best, I might add, one of the best science fiction series in the last 25 years, hands down, Uh, Farscape celebrated its 20th anniversary this year and if you haven't seen it you can watch it all if you've got Prime on Amazon the entire series is free with Prime so there's no excuse not to go and binge it this weekend but getting back you know I go down there every year and I, I get excited for it, you know? The, the first year, I was a little scared. I'd never really hit the convention circuit, never really gone to anything like this. And I'd never covered an event as a correspondent and a member of the press. So I was very naive, very new to all of this, uh, hence why I called my coverage Dano Does Dragon Con. It was kind of a riff off of Debbie Does Dallas, amused the shit out of me. Everybody else, I had to explain it, and if you've ever told a joke that you then have to turn around and explain, you realize it gets less funny every time you have to explain it. Still, the name has kind of stuck. It fits, I like it, so we go with it every year. So, uh, the first thing you do, you enter the Hyatt, one of the 11 different hotels and buildings that's connected to the event. Uh, pick up your press pass, and immediately I head over to the Marriott Marquis, which is connected via Skybridge to the Hyatt. Uh, The Marquis sometimes gets referred to as the food tube because of all the restaurants, bars, and little pop-up vendors that are all around it. Um, And and while, you know, after the drive from Nashville to Atlanta, it's important to me to go and get a bite to eat, but my my favorite part about dragon con is actually waiting on the bottom floor of the marriott marquee and that is the ring of different musicians and bands that are either performing or simply advertising themselves with booths and tables that are down on the lower level and you know it's always cool because there hasn't been a year yet that i haven't gone haven't seen some incredible performances and haven't come away a fan of a whole lot of new music. So I get to the bottom floor of the Marriott Marquis. I start checking around. first booth I always hit belongs to Voltaire. Voltaire is a musician best known for his work in the late 90s, early 2000s on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Uh, it's definitely where a lot of folks in my generation, you know, 12, 13, 14, when this series began, uh, it's, it's definitely where a lot of us had our first encounter with Voltaire and his work, but more importantly than that, you know, he's just, he's an incredible musician, he's a, a horror fan, he's an art fan, music fan, and he's, he, he gets very inspirational as an artist when you talk to him. Talking to him about art, talking to him about horror. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him for a little while when I, when I went down there. And, you know, we, we spent the entire time talking about horror hosts on TV and uh, on the Internet. You know, he gave me a couple of... He, he gave me a couple of uh, groups I needed to look into. And I have looked into article coming soon about that. Trust me. Uh, I talked to him about Horror House. Which is an Australian horror hosting show. Uh, a friend of mine named David Black does. I'll be talking more about that in the podcast too. Just not this episode. And uh, but, but the best thing about Voltaire, beyond the music beyond the things that he's working on, like gothic homemaking, which is kind of a uh, goth horror, well, basically what it sounds like, uh, homemaking show. It's like part Better Homes and Graveyards, part, uh, you know, horror host program. But when he gets up on stage and he starts talking to the audience and telling stories as he's performing... He, he talks about the importance of making mistakes, the importance of learning from mistakes. And he talks about how he thought his career was about to take off and he was about to just explode into fame and fortune when he started working on uh, The Grimman Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And then it just kind of fizzled out to him. And so he went on for years continuing to perform in, uh, you know, to perform in different venues and places that he was used to doing shows. And what he noticed is eventually his audience started getting younger and younger. And that was because these kids who had first encountered him through the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy were adults now who had become fans of his work after hearing him. And, well, here they were, sitting in, his, uh, sitting in the audience. And, you know, it's, it's a message that, for me as a writer, I, I really took to heart. And I, I needed kind of a refresher on it. Because after seven years of, of working as a semi-professional author and journalist... You know, my career isn't exactly where I thought it should be or would be. But it's it's not about a race to a goal. It's about cultivating. It's it's less it's less a race and more of a gardening experience. Here here he talked about planting seeds and watching them grow without even knowing it. And it's, it's very much like that in, in any of the arts. You know, you gotta, you've got to sit there, you've got to create your fan base, you've got to create your work, you've got to make mistakes, you've got to learn from them, and you've got to grow as an artist and as a human being. And that's, that's the importance that he stressed as, as he was telling these stories, is his own journey of fucking things up, learning from them, and moving forward after that and to me as a writer that was you know that's incredibly powerful to hear somebody whose work you admire in a in a different field mind you but whose work you admire nonetheless talking about their struggle the same struggle you're going through right now so it's it's worth keeping in mind it's worth thinking about other musical performers that were there that I got really excited about were uh, MC Chris, uh, MC Chris or Chris Ward, depending on uh, how how you're familiar with his work. Uh, started out uh, for starters, he's arguably the longest performing nerdcore rapper in the genre. Uh, not yeah, like he was performing this particular style of hip hop. Before the term Nerdcore was ever used, um, and a lot of a lot of credit for Nerdcore rap and its you know dubious success uh, gets shifted to Damian Hess, who performs as uh, MC Front a lot. Again, an incredible musician, but uh, Chris Ward, MC Chris, has been doing this since the early two thousands, and uh, his music actually. Was uh, you, you'll recognize his music from uh, C Lab 2021 and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where uh, some of his earliest work uh, appeared. He uh, he was also a voice actor on these shows and played Hesh and MCP Pants. And, you know, he's an incredible guy. When you see him on stage, he brings a lot of energy, he brings a lot of excitement. And, you know, it's hard not to, to get happy and really get into it when, when you see him performing. Uh, another one that I was really excited to see back at Dragon Con this year was Jesso Lantern. Jess does what I would describe as kind of an acoustic folk punk. That, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's the best way I could describe it and all of her songs are very much horror oriented and i mean truly original shows not only a, a knowledge of the genre but a, a real passion for it as well uh, she's another one that just puts her whole heart and soul into her performance and it's so much fun to watch her um, of course, every year I go, I come across new acts as well that I really like. Or, you know, they're not necessarily new acts or new performers, but they're new to me. Uh, This year, the biggest one that I came across that I really got into is uh, Fable Cry. And uh, Fable Cry is uh, a group out of Nashville, which, you know, again, excited me when I realized this because it means local shows I'll actually get a chance to go to. But they're uh, more of a carnival horror rock is the best way I could describe it. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's a combination of modern and uh, old instruments and sounds brought together in, in this incredible way their the lyrical storytelling that goes on in every one of their songs is just it's gripping it's graphic and it just it sinks its teeth into you every performance every song that they play just sinks its teeth in and does not let you go and i mean that right there is powerful and it's exciting and it's such a wonderful thing to to come across and you know i i just i can't tell you enough how awesome this band is um i've got links in the articles that i'm writing right now Uh, i should have two articles up around the same time this podcast goes live um and at least one of them will have links to all of these musicians and their websites or where you can buy their cds or albums so uh check that out because all of these performers and really you know if i had the money the time or or even you know the uh like just the resources to devote to it uh, all i would do is go to dragon con for the music alone I mean, just the, the performances, the acts, um, one that I keep missing every year is Cybertronic Spree and it's a, uh, it, it's a rock group. Um, they all perform as transformers. It's, it's interesting. Look them up on YouTube. You can see, I I'm going to get a little more into them and some other bands, that I've I've got out there that I encountered at Dragon Con. But like I said, I'll be putting links up in the articles that I've got coming out around the same time as the podcast. So just uh, make sure you look for that and make sure you follow these folks because they're incredible every last one of them. Dragon Con offers a lot more than music though. It's uh like I've been saying, it's a it's a multi-fandom experience. And with 80,000-plus people in attendance, it's just constantly going day and night. Uh, there are panels. Uh, there's a film festival. Uh, the film festival had a lot of great entries into it, including "Boob" by... Uh, and, and God, if, if you listen to this, I beg you, please forgive me, because I know I'm going to mess up your name. Uh, Rockefeller Abergel... Uh, she is an incredible filmmaker and actress. Uh, she did Jackson in Love. And uh, Boo is just a fantastic, and it, it's a fantastic story, first of all. And it goes off into a, uh, into a direction that you don't really see it heading and if you've, if you've read my review on 52 Weeks of Horror of it that I did a few weeks before Dragon Con, uh, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, again, it, it ran at Dragon Con during, their, uh, during the film festival segments. And it's, it's a story that's as much set in reality... As it is in fantasy and fiction. Uh, it's, a, it's a young woman who is uh, struggling. She's seven years sober and kind of struggling, really tempted in her sobriety. And when this guy comes along and tempts her and then tries to force himself upon her, she finds herself breaking her sobriety to uh... to indulge and what, what you don't realize is it's not the traditional substance abuse or alcohol abuse that she's been struggling against she's, she's an undead creature who has actually been struggling against consuming human beings and you know it's, it's really good if you haven't seen it, you need to find where it's playing and you need to go watch it. Uh, if not, you know, definitely keeps, you know, keep an eye out for when it comes out to, uh, to view on uh, streaming sites or something. Because it's definitely worth a watch. But, you know, the, the film festival was a, a great part of it. And they did a lot of screenings of a lot of classic and uh, new movies. A lot of horror films. Uh, There was a special about the uh, release of IT Chapter 2 that they did while uh, it was going on. And, uh, you know, it kind of gets us into as well the horror cosplay that was out there. Because Dragon Con creates its own culture as well, and and we'll get into that in just a second, but you get out there and you see Jason Voorhees, you see Freddy Krueger, you see Michael Myers, you see some obscure horror characters as well, Um, you see some dark, kind of macabre characters, some animated characters brought to life, video game characters. Uh, a lot of monsters, I know, I, I wasn't able to even capture half of them. Uh, one of the big winners at the Dragon Con cosplay contest was, uh, oh god, how did I space on it? It's, it's uh, Baby from Five Nights at Freddy's, I believe it is. Uh, I mean, the costume itself was incredibly articulated, beautifully designed um but it, it wasn't just the costume it was the the person inside of it who had studied the movements of the character who moved and jerked and twitched the way this character does and it was a very intricate very beautifully made costume and it, it won every award that it deserved, and then some. And the coolest thing about this is it was designed, built, and performed by a 15-year-old kid. Like, that that just blows me away. At 15, hell, at 34, I could not put together something like that. But, man, it, I mean, just... The level that these people take it to, I mean, you've got, you've got filmmakers in Hollywood that are not creating costumes and creatures and effects on the level that a lot of these cosplayers are doing. And it is, it is such an honor and such a cool experience to see these people Who, uh, simply put, most of them are just fans. Some of them do it professionally. Some of them do it like you know they're they're on the the con circuit because they're going and they're participating in these contests and winning awards. You know that's that's what they do. But the majority of them, they are just fans. They love what they do. They love being a part of it. They love bringing these characters to life. Damn, if they don't do it perfectly. Then, of course, you've got the culture of, of uh, Dragon Con that starts to seep in. And when I'm talking about the culture of Dragon Con, I mean some of the weird, just unique things that are strictly and 100% unique to this event, Okay. You've you've got uh, the, the biggest thing is the Marriott carpet. Um, the Marriott marquee, which is where the uh, the food tube, as I described it earlier, is had a very we're gonna call it unique carpet. Uh, it was already gone by the time I started tending, but the the carpet itself was this strange geometric, almost stained glass design pattern. And it was red and blue and yellow and black. And it was just, it, it was this bizarre and intriguing kind of carpet. And what happened is one year, a couple of guys decided they were going to copy this pattern and wear camouflage made of this Marriott carpet pattern And blend in and that was their costume and it was a hit it was a big kind of funny thing that year Um, but apparently not everybody thought it was funny namely the manufacturer who had designed and created that pattern of carpet who sent a cease and desist letter to these two cosplayers for using their carpet pattern as camouflage pattern for their costumes. Now I am I'm the sort of antagonistic person that would say, "Okay, screw you. I'm going to do this even more loudly now because you're telling me to stop." And and that's that's kind of what happened. The community uh, of Dragon Con rallied behind these guys. And, and took it to a new level. They, uh, they really got, they really got involved. and you started seeing a lot more people coming out in this Marriott carpet uh, pattern. And eventually the, the company backed off and said, "Forget it, whatever. And it, it became kind of a uh, viral thing that has now, uh, now that the carpet itself has been completely replaced, has, has lived on almost in infamy as, as a part of this convention and the culture around it. You even have a uh, cult of the carpet, and uh, as, as a friend of mine, who I'm not going to mention by name here in the podcast, uh, actually, uh, when they were gutting the place of the old Marriott carpet managed to get both unused rolls of the carpet itself as well as used pieces of the carpet and kept them for years in his basement you know used it kind of as a as decoration but recently decided he would start selling pieces of this old carpet for for the nostalgia purposes of it and you know it paid for his trip to dragon con this year Uh, uh, There's a uh, subculture that exists within the subculture, and and nothing really brings it out quite like the Marriott carpet, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's unique to see how something so simple and so silly becomes such a huge part of an event and a uh, community of people. And it, it, it gets reflected in the cosplay because now there are Marriott Carpet Stormtroopers, Marriott Carpet Disney Princes, Marriott Carpet away teams from Star Trek. Uh, there's a cosplayer who does a Jason with a Marriott Carpet pattern over his hockey mask. You know, there's... Uh, it, it's, it's an incredible thing. People have clothes and bags... And, you know, I, I've yet to see it, but I've heard there are even some Marriott carpet tattoos running out there. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a thing people embraced. And it's, it's cool to see something so, again, something just so simplistic and almost strange becoming such a huge part of an event. But even even with an event of this size, there's more to it than just cosplay and panels and carpet. Uh, one thing that I have made it a point to participate in every year that I've been going there is the Life South Blood Drive. And this is sponsored in part by the Heinland Society, and uh, it was actually... Uh, the the Heinlein society itself puts on the blood the blood drive and they do several of these all over the country but for dragon con they work with life south which is you know atlanta based and kind of regional to the southeast and you know 80,000 people come through maybe 10% actually donate blood that's still a hell of a lot of blood and plasma and platelets that are all being collected, you know, and, and being Labor Day weekend, it's, it's timely as well because Labor Day weekend is arguably one of the most deadly on U.S. highways every year, so being able to collect blood and plasma and, and have it there if, if needed, have it ready, have it able to be sent out and used is great then you take into account that dragon con was happening shortly before dorian hit uh, hurricane dorian made landfall in the u.s and while it luckily parts of the country were able to avoid it that were supposed to be hit Uh, other parts were not so lucky then of course you have the caribbean the bahamas specifically which were just battered relentlessly and it brings up the the issue that as frivolous as a convention like this might seem to some there's there's an element that's connected to it of giving of supporting of doing for a community and you know it's it's a message that a lot of people in their daily lives don't think about you know, as, as a kid who grew up in part of that last generation of super-bullied nerds, you know, being able to stand up and do something to help others without getting anything in return or expecting anything in return is, is a big deal, you know? You're, you're talking about people that are already putting on an event Because they're wanting to include everyone. They're wanting to be inclusive of not just the things that they're fans of. But things that other people that they know or other people that they've met are fans of. And people that they haven't met. They're wanting to connect with everybody. And they're wanting to build a community within within this kind of culture that at one point was ostracized, and bullied, and taunted, and just ridiculed mercilessly. And they've, they've done an amazing job with that. And the, the blood drive through the Heinlein Society and Life South is, is just the most beautiful part of this to me. Because there's always a wait to get in. If, if that tells you how many people are coming down with the intention of donating to this cause. And I I hate that it's time I'm recording this that uh, DragonCon Media Relations hasn't released uh, all the numbers just yet. But, you know, we're talking about last year, I think it was, they they had almost 8,000 donors and I forget how many Hundreds of gallons of blood and plasma and platelets that were donated through them. Hundreds, thousands, you know, I, I can't remember because I don't have last year's stats in front of me either. I'm, I'm doing this recording and proving to you exactly what an amateur I am at doing this. If, if you've listened to my other podcast, Nerds Against Humanity, um, there's only three episodes of it up right now, working on getting more. But it's it's also this kind of scattershot stream of consciousness. So, uh, you know, it's kind of my jam here. But, what was I saying? What was I saying? Shit. The blood drive itself is a phenomenal thing. I don't have the numbers on how much was collected, how many people donated, but I can tell you... It's, it's one of those things that it makes you feel good to be a part of a community that's willing to come together and give and do and help. And it's, it's an aspect about this event. You know, people are always focusing on the party atmosphere because it is a huge fucking party. And it becomes an adult-only party after about 7 o'clock at night. Um, you know, but there's the, the blood drive alone and, and the blood drives, not even the, the main charity that the convention works with for the year. I, I forget what it was this year, because again, I went into this recording totally unprepared to do anything. Uh, know, yeah. I promise you guys, episode two will be so much better. It'll be, okay, it'll be at least a little bit better. But what I'm getting at is Dragon Con is a great event because you got people of all backgrounds from all over the country, all over the world, getting together to celebrate things that make them unique, things that inspire them, that bring them joy, that bring them hope. And getting together with one another to share that. You know, there's there's a huge parade on Saturday morning during Dragon Con. And you've got people... The parade itself is not just for Dragon Con participants. It's for everybody that comes out. Everybody in the community can come and watch this parade. And it is such a cool thing to see families that, you know, they're just there for the parade they pack up and leave once it's over they're not there for the convention and it's just it's cool to see the light in the eyes of these children that come out and they see some of their favorite heroes they'll see superman or wonder woman or batman they'll meet stormtroopers they'll meet rebels they'll meet captain kirk and mr spock you know and it's amazing to see the light in these kids' faces when, when they get to meet their heroes. Where they get to see fantasy become reality for just a few minutes. And I, I think that's the best part about Dragon Con. Is you get to, you get to feel like you belong. You get to feel like you are a part of something, and it's wonderful. If you get the opportunity, go to Dragon Con. It happens Labor Day weekend every year, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, if not, look around. There are local conventions in every city almost, and if if you are a fan of anything, get out there and share it be weird be unique be a part of it make friends make a difference in your community uh, get out there and donate blood get out there and help somebody bring hope bring joy and just enjoy life in general you know dragon con is an amazing convention it brings together the best of fandom from all over the world. You know, not just horror, not just science fiction, not just fantasy or anime or cosplay. Everything. I could go on for two hours about Dragon Con and still not cover everything about it. So you'll have to check it out for yourself. Be sure to check out the articles I've got coming out on 52 Weeks of Horror about it. And until next time, stay spooky, guys.